I invite you to turn to Psalm 32. We're going to be looking at David's confession from Psalm 32. And I'd like to welcome you. My name is Brad Evans. I'm the pastor of Family and Care Ministries. I know at least few people say that I care. I'd like to think that I do. But we're glad you are here. And I met a number of students, college students, that are here from the first time. We're not going to embarrass you, but we're really glad you're here. Grace Bible Church, one of our primary purposes is to be a home for you so that we can reach the world for Christ through the college campus. So uh, do we love college students? What do you say, Grace Bible Church? Yeah. We're glad you're here. We welcome you. We'll even feed you donuts if you come back, go to the college department. So, welcome. So, if I haven't met you, I'm normally at the Anderson campus. Uh, this is our family, my lovely wife of this December, 30 years, Susan. She is awesome, and she teaches Latin. She te- keeps me grammatically in line in other ways, too. And then our daughter, Rachel, who graduated from Texas A&M University. Yeah, for you new students, that's your cue. She graduated, and we moved her to Houston, and she's now gamefully employed. I got a raise, and um, I got to tell you, I manned up after we moved her in, and I cried. It was hard to see my little girl move to Houston, and she surprised me and drove up here this morning, so that's our little Rachel. Um, And then our son, last but not least, that's Andrew, who's a junior in high school, and wants to be a pilot. So that's our family. So this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at one of the seven penitential psalms. So let's kind of look at the context here. And you go, what is a penitential psalm? You've heard of a penitentiary? What's the purpose of someone going to a penitentiary? It's reform, right? It's change. It's to see their life turn around. And that's why these are called penitential psalms, because you see the confession of sin, hopefully the admission and honesty before God, and hopefully turning around to uh, walk closely with Him. There's several others. Psalm 51 is in bold there because it's the sister psalm to Psalm 32 we're studying this morning. The historical context you can find in 2 Samuel 11 and 12. So here we go. It gets rough. Right away in 2 Samuel 11, we see David committing... His sin with Bathsheba. I mean, how would you like to have your worst sin that you've ever committed written in God's holy book for us to read throughout all eternity? Well, that's what David does. And he commits adultery with Bathsheba, tries to cover it up, has her husband Uriah come in, and he won't cooperate by hiding it. And so he sends Uriah to the front of the battle. Uriah is killed. David commits adultery. He commits murder. But hey... He's got this figured out. He knows how he can slide by. No one's going to know. And nine months later, Bathsheba has a baby. And so again, David thinks he's got a good thing going. He's, going to co- he's got the Watergate cover-up going on. But the last sentence in the last verse in chapter 11, we read, God said, the thing, David, you have done is evil in my sight. Because God knows, Right? We think we can hide. We think we can pull the wool over ourselves and maybe other people, but God knows. And in chapter 12, Nathan comes and confronts him for his sin. He repents. He turns. It's beautiful, but David has consequences. The son dies. It's tragic. 
And so he writes Psalm 32 years later, I believe at the end of his life, looking back on not only that time of forgiveness, which he experienced, which he's, he's going to say is wonderful and it's blessed, but he's going to describe the pain of that time. At least, we know at least nine months before the child is born, and some say that it may have been another year before Nathan confronted him, and he's going to describe a man after God's heart who knows the Lord and that pain of what it was like to be distanced from God and to be hiding his sin and to try to go on his own apart from walking in fellowship with the God who created him. So that's the context. Big idea, honesty with God allows me to experience God's forgiveness, the divine release from the baggage of my sin. Sin is heavy. But it's real. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. And so what we're going to see this morning is that we'll have two paths we can walk down. We can go down a path of not being honest, of not confessing our sin. And it spirals to cover up, to guilt, to shame, to hardened hearts, to more sin. And it's not a path we want to be on. Or we can go down another path. And that's the path that God invites us to this morning, a path of honesty, a path of being real with Him, a path that we all struggle, and we admit it, and we confess, and we bring our sin to light, and God blesses us, because He created us to know Him, and He delights in us coming to Him. He's the Father, standing with open arms, and if we'll simply come with Him and be honest and confess, then He forgives us. Not only from our sin, but the baggage, the guilt, the weight of our unconfessed sin. It's beautiful. So let's jump into our text. In the first two verses, we're going to see the blessing of forgiveness. Psalm 32, verse 1. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. So right off the bat, David uses a couple of words. He's going to use four of them in the Psalm 32 to describe sin. The first one is transgression. Transgression is a military leader or a king or a person in authority says, here's the line, don't cross it. And we step over it. We disobey. That's a transgression. And he said, whose sin is covered. You all probably heard this, but it's an archery term. The target's out there and you're shooting. You miss the target. That's sin because God demands perfection. He's holy. And we all sin. We never hit the target 100% of the time every day of our life, do we? And so what David is saying is that person, the man, the woman, the boy, the girl, who has received God's forgiveness is blessed. And that's the good news of Jesus Christ. No matter what we've done, no matter how far we've strayed, if we simply acknowledge our sin, because Jesus is our Savior, right? Well, by definition, we, that means that we need to be saved if He's our Savior. So we've got issues, we've got struggles. And if we simply are honest with Him, I'm a sinner, I need you. I accept your free gift of salvation. By grace you're saved through faith. I believe, Jesus, in God. From dead, we're brought alive. And He adopts us into His family. We're declared righteous. It's wonderful. Baggage of sin is removed. Now, the point that we believe in Jesus Christ and become a child of God, 
We receive forgiveness of all of our sins, past, present, and future. And isn't it great that we'll never sin again? Yeah, all right. We live in a fallen world. We're tempted. We have the world and the flesh and the devil to deal with. And so while our relationship with God is intact, and we can never lose that once we become believers and followers, because He's the one, His finished work is the one that secured us. When we sin, our fellowship with God can grow distant and will. And that's a lot of what we're going to see happening here. Because who is David? He's a man after God's own heart. Here's the man that wrote the majority of the Psalms, the king of Israel, that God used powerfully. But he was wallowing in his own sin. He didn't confess it. And we're going to see the misery of that. But he wants to start out with us knowing that when we're forgiven, it's a blessed thing. Again, two paths. Paths of dishonesty, deceit, cover-up, a path of confession, a path of blessing, a path of seeing God be glorified in our lives. Which path are we on? How blessed is the man or the person whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. And in verse 2, he keeps going. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there's no deceit. So in verse 2, he's saying that person is blessed to whom the God does not reckon to his account his own sin. It's taken away by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then he says something very significant. This is one of the key points in this text. And in whose spirit there's no deceit. What does that mean? It means what's going on in our heart. Now, for those of you who have kids, we all want our kids to behave in a right way, right? We want to teach them and we want them to not embarrass us. And so we focus, it's often easy to focus on their behavior. Don't do this, do this. But our behaviors flow from our heart. And so what God wants to do is to change our heart. In fact, he's the only one that can truly change a heart. And from our heart flows our beliefs and our actions. That's why in Proverbs it says, guard your heart, for from it flows the wellsprings of life. Guard your heart, protect it. And here we see David being gut level honest that the one that God blesses is the person in whose inner person, in their heart, in their spirit, There's no treachery. There's no deceit. He says it another way in Psalm 15. He says, O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell in your holy hill? In other words, he's saying, hey, who gets to hang out with God? Who gets to be close and intimate with God? He says, the person of integrity that works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart, in his inner being. I mean, we heard Guth talk about what's going on in our country with racial issues, the ugliness of that. No government can change a heart. No program. Only God can change a heart. And that's the beauty of the gospel. And he wants us to come to him, no matter what we've done, to come to him and to own up with how much we need him. And when we do, there's blessing. The blessing of forgiveness. Okay, I wish I didn't have to go here, but this is reality. Let's talk now about the pain of deceit. We're going to look in verses 3 and 4. And what David experienced in that period of time between his sin and coming clean before God and repenting and owning up to his sin. Look at verse 3. When I kept silent about my sin, my body 
wasted away through my groaning all day long. So what David experiences, he experiences some physical consequences of his unconfessed sin. And sometimes we do. Sometimes we do. He experienced also emotional consequences. The pain through my groaning. That's literally 24 hours a day, 24-7. He's wailing. He's crying out because he's hurting. He's in pain. He has distanced himself from what he once knew, and that was the intimacy of Jehovah, of the Lord. The most miserable person on the planet is someone who has a relationship with God and has strayed away, and he's chosen to live in deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. There's a spiritual effect of what David is feeling. Physical, emotional, spiritual. Day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. Now, some say David may have had a fever. He possibly could have. I think more likely he's just describing as a metaphor, as an image of God's heavy hand of conviction on his life. And I'll tell you, Hebrews talks about this, Hebrews 12. The Lord disciplines those he loves because he's a loving parent. And if I don't discipline my children, that's not love. Loving parents will discipline their children to hopefully bring about a heart change. And David is experiencing the Lord's discipline. And it's painful. I mean, it's heavy. Some say he was depressed. Some say he may have even been suicidal. For this unconfessed sin going on day after day. And the weight of his guilt and the heaviness and the oppression of his sin. Day and night, your hand is heavy upon me. Cumulative sin in private leads to greater sin in public. I don't think, this is my opinion, I don't think David, when he was, when he saw Bathsheba, I don't think it was just a, hey, I'm going to do this. What I found, and I've been in ministry for 35 years now, been at Grace for 18 years. Um, Before that, we were on staff with crew. We planted a church. So for 35 years, here's my observation. That these big sins like this, they don't just happen all of a sudden. Unfortunately, over the years, I've seen a number of moral flameouts, and it breaks my heart. I've had several of my own personal mentors walk away, and it's tragic, but they don't happen overnight. It's the little things that we start saying, okay, everybody's doing it, we don't confess it. You know, hey, I just, that was just a little fudge. And we keep going. Our hearts become harder. And the more we sin, the easier it is to sin more and cover it up more. And pretty soon, boom, explosion. Cumulative sin in private leads to greater sin in public. However, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us, let's be honest, we all sin. Let's come clean, 1 John 1, 8. And I love Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Two paths. 
Which path are you on this morning? Which path am I on? We're all at times on this path over here where we need to come clean. And even this morning, my hope and prayer is that God is working on our hearts. And He's revealing some things to us as we read His Word and as we're honest with Him. That there's some things we need to deal with. But in that wonderful, the one who confesses and renounces Him finds mercy. There's blessing on this path. Very thankful for Celebrate Recovery Tuesday nights at Grace Bible Church Southwood, uh, 6.30. We'll be talking more about that here at the conclusion of how you can get plugged in. But we have um, testimonies from a number of people and this morning. Uh, I, we videoed some and Craig is going to share with you two videos. One is about the pain of what his life looked like when he chose his path of unconfessed sin, but also the beauty and the blessing that came when he confessed his sin to God and what God did in his life. I am a believer who has struggled with prescription drug and alcohol abuse, depression, and anger. My name is Craig. The insanity of my old life before recovery was rooted in pride. This pride led to lying, habitual, calculated, premeditated lying to my spouse, my family, my friends, the world. I even tried lying to God. I attempted to convince everyone, including myself, that I had everything under control and that I was strong enough to carry my own burdens in this life, all by myself, all on my own. I lied so much that I began to believe my own fiction. Meanwhile, my denial and repression began to take its toll in my life. My prescription addiction and alcohol use had continually escalated over the years. My anger and rage came out in explosive rants against those who are closest to me. I was completely isolated from family and friends, riddled with guilt and shame. I was isolated from any true relationship with God. My only true motivation was an obsession with taking pills and scheming on how I could get more. All activity in my life began to only revolve around numbing myself to the reality of my brokenness. Truth is that I had no relationship with God except to beg Him to help me to survive the crushing pain of withdrawals and the overwhelming uncontrolled depression. Looking back, he was always there for me. I was the one who ran and tried to hide. I exiled myself from my family. I only wanted to be left alone and not be bothered with being a husband, a father, a son, a brother, or a friend. My sins had become so obvious that my family held an intervention on me. I finally realized that I could not lie or charm myself out of this situation. When my teen daughter tearfully begged me to get help, so I could one day walk her down the aisle at her wedding. I broke, and I agreed to go to rehab. Thank you, Craig. Pretty heavy, isn't it? The pain of unconfessed sin. The downward spiral. Where are you this morning? Is there anything you need to come clean with before God? Anything you need to confess? Anything I need to confess? We all do. Or maybe, like me, there's times that you're blind to it. I've had times in my life that my wife or another close friend has needed to confront me because I wasn't seeing it. I was over here thinking everything was going fine. You know, the Watergate cover-up was working just fine. God has another plan, a path of blessing, if we'll come clean. 
So now what we're going to look at is the good news, the path of honesty. In your Bibles, Psalm 32, verse 5, I urge you to circle it, to highlight it, to put a marker in your Bible so it falls open here. This is the most wonderful verse in all of our Bible of the beauty of the power of God's forgiveness and the release of the baggage of the guilt of our sin. Here it comes. And notice David, he now shifts to first person. He doesn't blame somebody else. He owns it. Verse 5. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And you forgave. What does it say? What did God forgive? He didn't just forgive David's sin. He forgave the guilt of his sin. And when we come before God and we confess our sin, He is faithful to righteous and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of, not some, all unrighteousness. Praise God. In Psalms it said He takes our sin and He removes them as far as the east is from the west. That's forever. And Isaiah says he puts his, our sin in the small of his back. I don't know about you, but I can't see the small. And that's an image of forever. It's gone. He removes them. After we confess our sin, we're free. Christ paid the penalty for our sin. And now God wants to walk with him in victory. But then those tapes start playing. I've had them. You're no good for what you did. You sorry person, you don't deserve, you know what I'm talking about? It's the guilt, it's the shame. The beauty of Psalm 32 verse 5 is David not only experienced forgiveness, but God removed the guilt of his sin. And what God's word is telling us, if we confess our sin to him and God removes us, and later we're carrying around this baggage of guilt and shame, that's not from God. That's from the accuser of the brethren who wants to take us down and make us live in defeat and shame instead of living in victory and glorify God with our lives and tell our story about what God has done in our lives. This is the path of honesty that God wants all of us to walk down. So what is honesty? Let's define it. Free from fraud or deception. Being legitimate, truthful, genuine, real. I would add integrous. Being transparent. Honest with ourselves, honest with God, honest with others. Being real, authentic. In a previous career, I was in a uh, position of uh, uh, fiduciary responsibility where honesty was key to everything. And, you know, I... I was I had no problem with uh, you know keeping my hand out of the till that was never an issue but you know being honest with myself uh, being honest with my family and being honest with God that was a different story that was a much bigger challenge blessing number one is that I'm still alive uh, you know that's where it all begins and you know I'm thankful for that because uh, I very easily could not have been um, yeah in in my intervention my daughter uh, you know, she, she asked me to get help so that uh, one day I could walk her down the aisle at her wedding. And, uh, you know, God blessed me with that opportunity uh, just a couple of months ago. I was able to, uh, 
to keep that promise to my daughter that I would be there for her to walk her down the aisle and got to do so. So it was a special deal. You know, I I struggled a long time in life with, you know, trying to do the right thing and trying to be a good guy and I never really had, you know, any great purpose when when I lost everything, when I was found out to be uh, the fraud that I was. Um, that was that was the worst ever. And now I look back on it, having survived that and being brought through it by the grace of God is, you know, that is the greatest thing that ever happened to me because it has been a change going forward from that. I have a purpose now, which is to help others to be able to, I have a testimony now that I can share that means something. And it's not just lip service, it's true uh, interaction with, with the creator of the universe. Uh, you know, he became real in my life, and uh, I'm just glad to be able to share that with others. Praise God. There's victory. We don't have to wallow in the mud and the pit over here of unconfessed sin and defeat and shame. We can take the path of being honest and confess our sin and see God do a miracle. He's a God of miracles. You heard a story here from Craig about Celebrate Recovery. I don't know where you are, but in a crowd this size, I would say that there's some of you that need to show up this Tuesday night at Celebrate Recovery. Right here, Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. 6.30 for snacks, but it begins at 7. And there's people that will love you just as you are and help you through that process. And uh, it's not just for... Struggles like Craig decide, described as for anyone with hurts, habits, hang-ups, celebrate recovery, or get in contact with me. Or uh, Jeff, would you wave your hand? Jeff's the one that's in charge of it. Go see Jeff after the service. Jeff Wythe. Jeff, we love you. We appreciate you and the ministry that, that we have here. Celebrate recovery. Okay. Now let's look at some advice from a forgiven man. Verse 6, David says, Therefore let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they shall not reach him. Now the phrase that Corey Ten Boom used to title her book, The Hiding Place. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. So David says, Seek God's protection. When we come to Him, we're real with Him, we're honest with Him, we have a relationship with Him, there's nothing between us and Him. There's protection, there's safety, there's security, the, the floods of life, the, the trials. David says, they, they won't reach me. And we have that promise from God. Not that we live in a fallen world and we need to understand that life has its troubles. But isn't it wonderful to experience those troubles with the God who made us and be walking in fellowship with Him and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And then we see in verse 8, follow God's guidance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. God has given us His written word. He's given us the living word in Jesus Christ. He's given us His Spirit He's given us the family of God. He wants to instruct us according to the right path. If we'll just follow him and we'll use these resources that God has given us. And then the warning. I love verse 9. Do not be as the horse or as the mule who have no understanding, whose trappings include bit and bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near to you. 
How many of you have wrestled with a stubborn horse or mule? Yeah. Well, that's us. We're all like that. And we can be stubborn until we humble ourselves. You know, as I go through this, and one of the things God's really revealing in my life is pride. You know? And that's a big one. God's Word tells us that uh, He opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but if we'll humble ourselves and come before Him, He'll give grace to us. Draw near to the Lord, and He will draw near to you. He is just waiting for us to take that step toward Him. Just say, God, here I am. Change me. He's just waiting. He created us. So don't be, stru- don't be stubborn. Two paths, the choice is ours. Verse 10, many are the sorrows of the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, loving kindness, the chesed, loyal love of God, second time this word's used now, shall surround him. God's loyal love for those who take the path of honesty and trusting in the Lord. And then David ends this psalm with worship. Verse 11, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones, and shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. That's God's plan. If we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then being honest with others, honest for ourselves, honest with God, honest with others. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. A few weeks ago, I was in Missouri working on our family farm, and I found myself being tempted about something. And it would have been easy to give in. Nobody would have known. I mean, God would have known. I found myself being tempted, and so I called a brother, a friend of mine, an accountability partner, and I said, man, would you I need your prayers. And he prayed for me. But by confessing that to him, the power that that sin was having, that temptation, it was just broken. So confess our sins one to another. I mean, this is true for me, too, as a pastor. It's true for all of us, how much we need each other and why we need to get plugged in somewhere in a small group. So as we wrap up here, what are some next steps that we might have? Well, the first How many times have you heard this this morning? Be honest. Be honest with yourself. Honest with God. Honest with others. Whatever you got. Whatever stuff. Let's bring it to Him. Uh, We want to highlight a couple of ministries. uh, Marriage ministry. We're going to talk about re-engage in just a minute. And these cards are out in the foyer if you want one. But let me start at the beginning of... uh, And many of you were here in this room when we had the Made Strong Conference last January. That was awesome. And that helped us launch... Uh, some really needed marriage ministries in our church. Merge is for seriously dating or engaged couples. And this last spring, we had about 60 couples go through Merge, and that will start in the fall. But you can go online, and you can sign up for that if you're seriously dating or engaged. Um, We need more leader couples for Merge, so let me know if you'd like to be a part of leading uh, our Merge ministry. Then next, is we have foundation groups for newly married or anyone that's been married up to just a couple of years. We launched five foundation groups in the fall, and we're going to be launching some more. Uh, Right now, we have more couples that want to be in a foundation group than we have leaders. So we'd love 
to have you if you have a healthy marriage and want to pour into others and grow in your own marriage in the process. Uh, let us know. And uh, those are also online. And what you heard talking about is our re-engage ministry. Now, this is for anyone that's been married for a few years that just wants a tune-up. It's like a B12 vitamin shot. Again, your marriage doesn't have to be maybe in the state that they described, but if you just want to grow, you just want to improve. And Susan and I, after being married 30 years, we're in the same boat. We can use a little B12 vitamin shot. It's for all of us. So some of you, this Tuesday night need to show up at Anderson Campus, 7 o'clock at the Anderson Campus, the 15th. That's this Tuesday night. We'll have two weeks of open groups where you can just come and check it out. Just kick the tires on it, and then we'll go into closed groups where you can, if God's leading you to, to commit to that. So again, that's online. You can sign up uh, or just show up this Tuesday night. We also have, we mentioned this early, earlier, I thank God for Celebrate Recovery and what God is doing to bring healing in this, in this uh, wonderful ministry is for anyone with hurts, habits, or hang-ups. Tuesday night, 6.30, little snack. It starts at 7 o'clock right here at the Southwood campus, okay? Let's close in prayer. Uh, Father, we love you. We thank you for this morning. And Father, there's anyone here that's never accepted your free gift, I pray that this would be the day of salvation for them. They would acknowledge their sin, their need for a Savior, and simply say yes to you and trust you and believe that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, and accept your free gift of salvation. We also pray, Father, for those of us in this room who find ourselves, as we've been describing, the pain of David's sin. We, just, we, we, we feel your Spirit convicting us, and we want to come clean. We want to bring that sin to light. We want to confess that to you in the quietness of our heart, being honest with ourselves, honest with others, and give us the courage to um, move forward with a step of action, to be involved, to get plugged in somewhere so that we can continue to grow and experience healing and wholeness. We love you, Lord. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. See you next week.